this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Somebody buy me a new music stand, will they please? Sort it out, goodness me. Um, I'm going to ask you a question about which Bible translation you most typically use. Okay? And, um, alright? Very good. So, assuming you're not using one that is in the original language, like Steve is, um, assuming that you're using one in your most native language, which I guess for most of you is English, or Welsh maybe, um, English, uh, I would like to know which is the your most sort of commonly read translation, okay? And I'm going to give you three options, no, four options, actually. And the options are NIV, and I don't have to put your hand up yet, ESV, New Living, or something else. Okay, I don't, I don't need to know what the something else is, okay, but I just want to know, is it NIV, or is it ESV, English Standard Version, or is it New Living Translation, or is it something else? So if you're, this is your default one to read, okay, so those of you who are preachers and communicators, you've probably got a dozen versions that you refer to in your preparation. I know that, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your most go-to version. Okay? Right, so put your hand up if it's NIV. Okay. There's no shame in that. Put your hand up if it's ESV. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. Okay, uh, NLT, New Living Translation, anybody? Yeah, a few, okay. And something else. Something else. Okay, a few of you, something else. Shout at me what it would... Passion, okay. Amplified. New King James. Original King James. Sorry? New King James. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you very much. So, I guess the... Um, the most common then is, is still NIV, which is, in, which is interesting. Well, no, no, don't get into the new one or the old one, because that just gets really confusing. So the reason I'm asking, you see, is my rather sorry state. See, I know that I need replacing. I, I know I've got to replace it. So I'm thinking, do I, which version do I replace it with? Oh. So that was very helpful, thank you. Now I know for many of you that use electronic devices, now you've got 20 translations at your fingertips, uh, which is a wonderful resource, isn't it? I mean, it's just an amazing, even between, you know, I I think of me growing up, which was not that many years ago, you know, you had one or two translations that you you, would read, that's probably it really. But now we, we've got all these translations at our fingertips and 
Some are our best as sort of scholarly word for word translations. Some are better at giving us a feel and a flavour for what the, the general sort of heart of the, the message is. Uh, and we can read all these things and God speaks to us, doesn't he? I guess the question for us is, are we reading it at all? You know, are we, are we reading it at all? I guess, you know, you could look at this and think, wow, that is well read. And it is well read, but it's taken a long time to get that well read. And I guess if I'm honest, it should have got that well read a lot quicker. Um, and I guess that's true for many of us. So, as we think about different translations, which is not, not remote, related at all to what I'm going to speak about, um, it might be a, a fresh challenge to us to, to be reading God's words and expecting him to speak to us and to communicate his heart to us. Amen? Okay, so, uh, last week we looked at the subject of, anybody here? Spiritual gifts. So we started looking at the subject of spiritual gifts. We're in 1 Corinthians. And if you've been with us recently, you'll know that we're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, we've got to chapter 12. Paul talking about spiritual gifts. Gifts that God gives. Gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. That, that he gives. Different kinds of gifts, but the same one spirit. And we looked at some of these different gifts. And we also said that whilst often we would expect to see the operation of spiritual gifts in a meeting such as this, they are not exclusively for that. Because God gives gifts, spiritual gifts, to build up or to edify, depending which translation you use, build up or edify the church, the one another, his people. But he also gives them as tools to reach the world. They're tools that God gives to reach the world. I, I read a, a fantastic story this week that I want to share with you, just at the outset of our message, which illustrates this. Uh, and I read it on, I think it must have been early part of the week, Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, a guy posted this online, a, guy, a chap called Sean Bolt. Some of you may have come across him. It's an American a uh, highly gifted prophetic guy, and he wrote a story of what had just happened to him uh, earlier this week. Just happened, he started it. Uh, was just at our local grocery store, and everyone there seemed like a lost soul. As I walked past a woman who had clearly smoked a good part of her life, who gruffly growled, excuse me, as if I cut her off or done something, I thought, get out of here. I've just, not been listening to, I've just been listening to worship music in my car, and yet the atmosphere had not transitioned with me into the food aisles. Anybody relate to it so far? As I hurried out, I saw him, the one that everybody looks past and ignores. He was only making initial eye contact with people to see if they had anything for him. It's a very hot day in, in LA, in Los Angeles, and I wanted him just to get into my car. But he was too alluring to the spirit of love inside me. And my attitude instantly adjusted. I went over to him and said, I'd like to do something for you. What, what can I do? He was nice at first. He wanted some water and food and I had some things he liked. And then he started a crazy conspiracy drug addicted rant and almost turned on me. Whoa, I'm just a guy trying to value you, I said, smiling. But also taking spiritual authority under my breath. He stopped, his eyes looked down, and it was like a reset button had been hit. I said to him, 
I know who you are. God sends me good people to show me he still loves me. I don't let him know because of what I've done, the guy said. I was shocked. He was self-aware, God-aware, but still was rejecting the ultimate truth of God's love to touch his personal worthiness because of his shame. I asked God, what can I say? So here, we, here we're getting into the area of using spiritual gifts to reach people for Jesus. So Sean says, I asked God, what can I say? I didn't feel very heroic or like this was one of those profound times. But I put my hand on his very smelly shirt on his back and looked him in the eyes and said, he will keep coming until you let him in again. He just loves you too much. Do you remember the son in the prodigal son story? The father never looked at him as the wayward son. He just saw son. Then I noticed the guy had tears in his eyes. Thanks for the food and the reminder, he said. And you could leave it there, couldn't you? You could leave it there and think, wow, he's able to communicate something of God's love to this individual. And that would have been a good story. That would have been a good place to end. But it doesn't finish there, because he goes on. Then, out of my mouth, from the Spirit, came the game changer. Just remember that phrase, the game changer. An insight or word of knowledge that just popped out. I said to him, your son would forgive you if he was still alive. He looked at me angry at first, then started to cry. He, he cried for a while, and I stood with my arm on his shoulder. Then he looked at me, are you an angel? You have to be, that's how you knew. I told him I wasn't, but I only knew because his son was with God, and God had told me. He looked like a million dollars had lifted off him. I wrote down our church's name and told him to come by. I told him if he was ready to pursue life again, to come find God, and I would also help. We prayed together, and he felt totally different. I might be ready, he whispered. I hugged him and left him to ponder. That's a great phrase, isn't it? A game changer. And what what went from somebody expressing God's heart and his love and seeking to bless all of which you'd say, hey, that's a great story. I'd like to do that. Suddenly, with a word of knowledge, game changer moment. Game changer moment. Because suddenly, everything opens up. Because God speaks. A word of, we spoke about the word of knowledge last week. We talked about it being a word that just opens things up, but you can only know because God has, God has given it to you. It's not to condemn, it's to bring God's heart, to bring his love, his goodness. And as I read that that story earlier in the week, I thought, that's such a great illustration of what we were talking about last week. And what we're going to still talk about this week, because we haven't finished that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But what we talked about there is a game changer. Spiritual gifts in reaching the world, in reaching people for Jesus are game changing moments. 
I'm sure you've seen the football match in the game-changing moment when, you know, a sub comes on, you know, after 70, 80 minutes and <clears throat> has fresh legs and fresh energy and suddenly the game changes. It's a game-changer moment. Well, word of knowledge or a spiritual gift like that is a game-changer moment in reaching somebody with the love of Christ. Because suddenly it's it's relevant, it's real, it, it's particular to them, isn't it? And I want to encourage us, friends, to look for those game-changer moments. Let's have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying as we look for game-changer moments. So, we continue in 1 Corinthians 12. We'll pick up at verse 12, and I'm reading at the moment from the NIV, as most of you are, so that's good. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God who loves to give good gifts to your children. And uh, Lord, as we spend these moments looking at continuing the subject of spiritual gifts and gifts that you give and gifts that you give to your body, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and that you would um, encourage us, you would inspire us, you would provoke us, that your, your word will be applied to our hearts by your spirit. Come and do us good, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So once again, we're finding that the Bible uses different imagery to talk about the church. A body, 
in this case. We could talk about a family or a building. Now, all these give us different insights to the church, particularly when we describe it as the body of Christ. And I was reading another article this week which reminded me that we don't go to church, we are the church. Actually, whether you come on a Sunday morning or not, you're still part of God's church if you've trusted in Jesus. We use the phrase, don't we, going to church? But actually, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. Now, all of us here this morning, have a look around if you want to make sure about this, but all of us here this morning have a body. It's true, isn't it? All of you have a body. Some of you like yours, some of you maybe don't. You may think that yours is too tall or too short or too large or too small or not fit enough or not strong enough. You, you may have hair uh, where you don't want it and no hair where you do and so the list may go on. But you have a body. It's there in front of you. You cannot miss it. So Paul is using imagery here that we can all relate to. We all have a body of some description or another. And your body is made up of different parts. You know, you've got the, the foot and the leg and the eye and the ear, these parts that Paul refers to here. Your body is made up of different bits and each part needs the others in order to work well. To function correctly, every part is important. Every part is needed. Every part is necessary. And Paul spends a long time making a point here, doesn't he? It's not just a sort of throwaway comment. The vast majority of what Paul was saying here is he's making the point about a human body. Is he writing a medical textbook? No, he's not. He just wants to make the point so that when he says, now you are the body of Christ, you go, oh yeah, I get it. And we've heard the phrase so often, haven't we? Those of us who have been in church any length of time, any more than a few weeks, You've heard the phrase, the body of Christ. So much so it can be a phrase that means everything and nothing at the same time. Because you're dead to it. But because Paul spends so long talking about the human body and then says, now you are the body of Christ. He wants us to hear it afresh. You see, no one part of the body can say to any other part of the body, you're not needed. You're not important. And the same is true in the church. Every part is important. Every part is valued. Every person is valued. Everyone has something to contribute. We all have something to contribute. And so Paul explains how that God has arranged the parts just as he wants to in a human body. And guess what? He's done the same in the church as well. He's done the same in the church. He's arranged the parts of the body as he wants to. And Paul goes on and explains that in, in a body there are uh, you know, there isn't any part that can say, hey, you're not needed. You're so insignificant, you're not important. Actually, in a human body, every part is, is important. Every part is valued. And Paul talks about as well the the interconnectedness of the body, doesn't he? 
He talks about how one part is connected to another. An illustration like this is as if one part is in pain, then the whole body is in pain. You know, if I was to, to come along right now and with a large hammer sort of whack your hands, you know, you'd feel that. And if I did it hard enough, you'd be, your body would be saying, it's not just my hand that hurts, but it's like everything, something is pain. And it feels like everywhere it sort of takes over you. If you've ever been in significant and serious pain, you will know that. You can't just sort of, you know, put your painful bit to one side and come back to it later. It's not how it works, is it? You know, some of you have had, uh, you can relate to those serious pain. I've had kidney stones in the past and when they hit, boy, boy, you know about it, but you can't just say, oh, just put that kidney pain to one side and carry on with normal life. It's deliberating. I can't really think of the right word. How do you say that? Debilitating. Thank you very much. Debilitating. You can't do anything because of the level of pain. One part suffers, the whole body suffers. One part's in pain, the whole body is in pain. And guess what? It's the same with the body of Christ. God calls us to weep with those who weep. To mourn with those who mourn. To rejoice with those who rejoice. If one part suffers, we all suffer. And sometimes in seasons of pain or difficulty, actually all we can do is to pray and to cry together. But we're also called to celebrate together as well, to rejoice together, to celebrate one another's victories and successes. And this too can be hard sometimes. It may be you've been longing for a child and your friend gets pregnant. Maybe you've been asking God for a new job, or maybe any job, and then your friend gets a new job or a pay rise. Maybe it's healing. You're, you're crying out to God for healing in a particular area of life, particular breakthrough that you're asking for, and then your friend gets healed of the same thing. And you're still saying, Lord, but, but why? That's, that's so tough. When one part is in pain, we're all in pain. When one part suffers, we all suffer. But as well as that, when one part rejoices, friends, we need to learn to rejoice with one another as well. Even if it's a victory that someone else sees breakthrough in, that you're asking God for the same thing and it hasn't happened for you yet. That's when we really know that we're a body. When we can genuinely celebrate one another's successes, one another's victories in Christ, one another's breakthroughs, yet still be asking God for the same thing for ourselves. And that's not easy. But it is community. And it is loving one another. It is honouring one another. It is being in a body together. We've talked about community over uh, recent weeks. We'll look at it uh, again, I'm sure, as the series progresses. And we'll look at it again in some, some more detail later in the year. But we want to support and encourage community in the church. So most often, we talk about life groups. Whereas that, that is expressed, it's not the only place it's expressed, but it's a pretty good place that it's expressed. 
Well, it's that like sort of a mini body, I suppose, as part of the bigger body. Maybe we should call, call life groups mini bodies. Maybe that's the new that's the new name, mini bodies. But it's like a mini body that's part of the bigger body. Where actually each part needs one another. Each part can love and care and support and encourage, cry with, celebrate and rejoice with one another. I wonder this morning, what is it that you're that you're asking God for? And are you are you working that out together? Are there other people that are sharing that life with you? Maybe that struggle or that prayer, or can also share that celebration with you as well. Can celebrate with you and rejoice with you about what God is doing. We do need those sort of people around us. Not just those who can celebrate in the good times, but those who can stand with us in the tough times as well. So Paul is talking about the body of Christ here and different parts and how different parts bring different things into the body. And it, as, you, as you read it through, you think, yeah, yeah, I know, a foot has, has one purpose and, and an eye has a different purpose. You know, a hand has one purpose and an ear has a different purpose, but all are necessary. All are required. All are useful. All are needed. All are valuable. And we are, he says, the body of Christ. Verse 27, again, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Every one of you is part of it. You together, us, we, are the body of Christ. We're all baptised by one spirit into one body. And we are fitted, joined, knitted together because we have one Lord and one head, Jesus Christ himself. And I really like the imagery of the body. I think it's such a helpful way of putting it. Because as we've said, in a human body, every part needs the other parts. Every part is necessary. And it's true as well in the body of Christ. I wonder which part do you feel like in the body of Christ? Maybe you felt like the little toe. You know, tiny, perhaps you would say unimportant, not seen, invisible, hardly even aware that you're in existence. Maybe you describe yourself like the little toe. But listen, in a human body, even the little toe has an important job to do. I'm not a great medical expert, but having done my research this week, little toe helps you balance. Take the little toe off your foot and you'll start to be in trouble. Think about it, it's tiny. You know, so seemingly insignificant. Just on the end, end of your foot, you think, why is it there? Well, well, I bothered. If I was designing a foot, would I have put the little toe on? Listen, in God's great wisdom, he knew what he was doing. He has given you a little toe in order that you can balance. In order that you can walk about, as some are learning to do so, without falling over. So that which you think is insignificant and think, actually, I'm not even sure why it's there, well, you wouldn't see the rest of the person if it wasn't there. Because they'd be falling over flat every five minutes. 
because a little toe helps you balance. So even if you think, well, I'm just like a little toe, listen, you have an important part to play. God has given a particular gift to you that he wants you to bring to his body. And you know what? You're the only person that can do that. Because God has given gifts to you in a particular and unique way that only you can bring in that way. And without it, well, without it, you miss out because you don't bring your contribution and the body misses out because we don't get the the necessary part, even if it's the left and toe illustration, the balance that is required. And in a human body, where one part isn't working well, not functioning correctly, not playing its part to its full potential, that affects the rest of the body, doesn't it? That affects the rest of the body, and it's the same in the body of Christ. To be a healthy body, to be a healthy jubilee, we need all of you, all of us together, to play our part, to bring our contribution, our gifts, to be who God has made us to be. Because your gifts are needed. Your experience, your walk with God, your faith, your knowledge, all that's needed. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember, I think it's the, is it the World War II poster? Your country needs you. Kitchener, wasn't it? John, do you remember? Not quite, maybe? Uh, maybe some of you do. Going to be in so much trouble later. Your country needs you. Maybe, maybe you, you've seen it. Well, if I'd had perhaps more time and I was better at design, because I'm rubbish at such things, but some of you are great. Maybe I'd stick a picture up that says, God's church needs you. It is his church. It's not yours or mine. It's his. But God's church needs you. It needs you to play your part. You to bring your gift, your contribution, your experience, your walk with God, your faith. In order to be all that God wants us to be, we need you to play your part. And then Paul goes on in the, uh, the last few verses that we read together to, to list some of the gifts that God has given to the church. And that these are more than a gift that is given to a particular person. Actually, these are gifts of people that God gifts gives to his church. Maybe it starts just with somebody stepping out in a particular area, just learning to, to step into, into some new things. But over time, they become so experienced in that and so gifted in that and God has given them so much in that particular area that they themselves become the gift that God uses to, to bless his church and to, to build it up. So, for example, all of us are called to prophesy, but some become prophets to God's church. We're all, we're all called to be evangelistic, but God gives evangelists to his church. Interestingly, just on a side note, I can't find a gift of evangelism. It's true, isn't it? Not in my translation or any other translation I've read. 
It's not a gift of evangelism. We don't, can't just sit back and say, Lord, I want this gift of evangelism. Ray seems to have it, but can I have it too? Actually, we are called to be evangelistic in our lifestyle. We're called to reach out. We're called to reach our neighbours and friends for Christ. We're called to, to speak of God. It's like the story I read at the beginning. To listen for those moments where the Holy Spirit says, just stop, go back, talk. We're all called to do that. Yes, God gives evangelists to his church. And boy, do we need them. But he doesn't give a gift of evangelism because he calls us all to live that evangelistic lifestyle. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> I've lost my point. I've lost my... Where I am now, I went off on one. Here we are. So there are some different roles here. This is not an exhaustive list. But there are some different roles that Paul talks about. It's actually quite similar to the list that Paul gives us in Ephesians 4. Uh, But both here and in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about the gifts of individuals that God gives to his church there. The gifts of men and women that help the church function correctly. Sometimes we incorrectly refer to these gifts as Ephesians 4 ministries. They're the ministries that are found listed in there and in 1 Corinthians 12 as well. And Paul lists some of these gifts that God gives to his church. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those who get administration, and those speaking different kinds of tongues. I'm not sure we've got the time to go through all the list in as much detail as I would like. But God gives these gifts to his church because he knows what's needed. Just as in earlier in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists some of these gifts that the Spirit gives the message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, healing, etc. God knows what's needed. He knows what his body needs. Now, if you're sick and you go and see your doctor, your hope is that they will know what you need. And they'll probably ask you some questions and they might run some tests and do some scans and all this sort of stuff, depending on what it is. But what your hope is that they know what you need. Now, the trouble is most of us these days, before we go and see a doctor, we go and see Google. And we decide for ourselves what we think we need. <laughs> Not always helpful. But where our hope is that our doctor knows what we need. Listen. God knows what his church needs. Have you thought about that? And even as we celebrated bringing uh, Pat into membership this morning, which was, which was great, it's so good to have you with us, Pat. And others that are, are currently on our membership course, we'll be doing part two of it this week. God knows what we need as a church. So is it any surprise that he adds people in as he sees fit? Because he knows now, sometimes we know as well. We go, God, there's a, there's a hole here. There's, there's something we're not doing that we know we need to do or we know we need a particular resource here or a particular type of person. And we're praying and asking God and saying, God, would you send them to us? Sometimes it's like that. 
Sometimes we don't know. But God does. Whose church is it? It's his. Whose body is it? Christ's. And he knows what his body needs. He really does. And so I think it would be good to, to spend some time looking at what these, these gifts of people are that we, we come to at the end of uh, this point in 1 Corinthians 12. But I think to try and do it now would not do it justice. So we will leave that to perhaps a couple of weeks' time. But let me say this as we begin to close and perhaps the band can come up because I'd like us to, to pray as we finish in a moment. God knows what his church needs. Sometimes we don't know. But he always does. And so my question for us this morning is are we bringing the gift that God has given to us? Are we allowing him to use it? Sometimes you know what that is. Sometimes you know what God's given you. Sometimes other people can spot it better than you can. I remember the very first time that I preached anywhere. I was in my late teens and a friend of mine who led a Baptist church up the road, he, he asked me to come and preach for him. And I spent a long time saying no. You know, I, I knew I could do one or two things and I could play the guitar and lead some songs and, and stuff. And I thought, that, that, that's, I'm good with that. I'll come and do that for you. But he's like, Clive was like, no, I want you to come and preach. And I spent a long time arguing with him because I didn't see that. But he did. He saw something in God and said, I want you to come and do this. And it took somebody else to take a risk. Trust me, me preaching at 18, big risk. Some of you might argue me preaching now is a big risk, but that's another conversation. He saw something and said, I want you to, tr- I want you to step out and see what God does. And yeah, let's talk about it afterwards and we'll review it and we'll see how it goes. Sometimes it takes other people to see what God is doing. Sometimes it takes other people to say, I see this in you. I see that in you. I see God speaking to you about this. Why don't you step out in this area? And friends, I want to encourage us this morning. Sometimes we know what God's put in us. Very often we don't. But other people can see it before us. And I'd love to encourage us, just in these next couple of weeks, it may be something that you do in life group, Maybe something you do in another context is look for opportunities to speak out what you see God doing. Look for opportunities to speak out the gifts that you see growing in one another. Look for opportunities to encourage what God is doing. Because he is the great gift giver. And I'm thoroughly convinced that he wants to pour out more of his spirit and give more gifts in order that we might see his church built up here in Burton and other places that we're beginning to touch. And we might see a world reached 
that is currently far from Jesus. Do you want to see that? I want to see that. I think we want to see that. But these are the tools that he's given us to do it. And he's built us together in a body because he knows what he's doing. So let's stand together and we're going to pray and worship God as we close. And we're just going to ask him what he wants to do in these moments. So I feel like God isn't quite finished with us yet this morning. And there's some things that he wants to do. And he wants to speak over us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the good giver of gifts. Every good gift come every good gift comes from you. And Lord, this morning we want to be those who gladly receive the gifts that you give. Gladly receive that which you give to us, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of one another and for reaching the world around us. So, Father, I want to pray right now that you would be giving gifts to your body and that you would be joining us and missing us together in a way that you see fit because you are the one that builds your church. Lord, we thank you that you are building your church. Thank you, it's your church. It's your body, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are at work building it. And this morning, our heart is to give you something great to work with. Willing hearts that love you and want to be used by you for your glory. Be moulded by you, shaped by you. together for you. So in these moments, would you come to it, please, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Let's, let's worship the Lord. Let's sing to him. We'll see what he wants to do.